It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. And um, I have with me as my guest today, Candace Talmage. But before I begin um, our discussion, I want to remind everybody about the website, which is www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And you will be able to click on the Boomer Forever Young banner. Um, that will lead you into a website where you can actually begin to consider getting healthy. And we have all lived in this crazy COVID-19 world since probably February of 2020. And it's not going away. Um, I think everybody is well aware of that. And so while we wait for the vaccines, which are going to be slow, I think, in uh, coming out uh, for a good many of us, um, there are things that you can do to actually make sure that your immune system is good and your inflammation level is down. And one of the products that Boomers has is called Gladiator Barley. And Gladiator Barley does repair on a cellular level. It also removes toxins from the body and it improves stamina. And I don't think there's anybody with the stress level that we've all been under lately that doesn't need additional stamina at least I do. Uh, so I, I'm guessing that as healthy as I am, that probably a great many people need that as well. Um, so if you're using the Gladiator Barley, or if you decide that you'd like to order it to try it, if you use my first name, Lucy, L-U-C-Y, you'll get $5 off of each and every order from the company. Uh, they are one of the official sponsors of Synergy Connection Radio. And uh, we'd love to have you at least try the products and see for yourself how they can be beneficial. So having said that, um, Candace uh, is, like I said earlier, my guest tonight. And uh, she wrote a book called Hope is in the Garden, Healing Resolution Through Unconditional Love. And uh, so I'm going to uh, toss this um, to her at this point and let her tell you a little bit about who she is and how you can find her with her website. That will all be on um, the different platforms. I always make sure that there are links to my guest. And so her link to her will be on either Spotify, if you choose to listen that way, or iHeartRadio, or Google Radio, or Apple iTunes. So we're on all four of the major platforms right now. So Candace, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you be part of Synergy Connection Radio. I am thrilled to be with you, Lucy. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest on the Synergy Connection show. I, a little bit, just a little bit about me, because I think listeners are more interested in, in what's going on with them but I'm an author and an energy healer. And I have worked in the energy of the emotional body for several decades now. And really, uh, it was really all about, I needed healing so desperately. I think a lot of people have gotten to that place right now where they don't need ju healing just for their physical bodies. That's been very much to the forefront over these past 12 months or so. 
but we're all in, in a space where we need some emotional and spiritual healing as well. And that's really where I focus with my particular form of, uh, or method, if you want to call it the Sunan method. It simply works in that, that energy of the emotional body. So that's where I've been, where helping people heal. And how long have you been doing it there? For uh, two decades? I have been an energy healer since 1988. So that's three plus decades. Oh, wow. Okay. So you were just a baby when you started. Uh, yes. A, a very mature baby. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How did you know that that was something that you wanted to do? I mean, you said you needed spiritual healing, but I mean, what was your kind of like aha moment or wake up call? Uh, my wake up call was when my co-author uh, of the book, uh, her name was Jana Simons and she eventually became my business partner and my significant other, and then in 2014, my, my spouse. But Jenna had taught a class and there had been several people at this class. And after class, she and I started chatting. And I recount this in the book where we went out on this wonderful floating dock. Now you have to understand this is July in uh, North Texas. It's still hotter than blazes, even though it's like 9.30 or so at night. And she just said to me, because she was very, very intuitive, she said, how would you like to feel unconditional love? Well, you know, twist my little finger. So I said, sure, let's do it. And what she did with me right there on that dock, sort of impro improvising was she literally opened up a connection back between my mental body and my um, emotional body, which I had cut out of self-defense many, many years before that. And this was back in 1986. And that connection enabled me to understand next time she was talking about this strange therapy that she called called Sunon therapy. Next time she talked about it, it was like, bink. and before I could even realize consciously what I was doing, I, my mouth was opening saying, I'd like to do Sunon therapy. And, you know, I, I, and I, I looked at myself, I, I do. Yes, I do. So there it was. I, I you know, we, I started Sunon therapy and then it was so effective, so powerful for me that I just sort of leapt in and, and, you know, the quote unquote, the rest is history. But it was that connecting the mind and heart again, when you, when you've been wounded and you've been hurting very often you cut your, your mind and your heart, you know, at least I did, because I thought it would help me, but it really didn't. It just hid, hid what I was feeling from my conscious mind. So I think, I think in a sense, a lot of people may have trouble sort of putting into words what they're feeling, what they're needing. And they also may think, well, you know, it's not good, a good thing to ask for help. I mean, when you think about it, Lucy, it's right there in the U.S. Constitution in order to form a more perfect union. Um, the United States is a nation of perfectionists. And when you're a perfectionist, you are very hesitant to ask for help because you think, well, that, can't, that means I might be less than perfect. So where we get to the point where we realize 
gosh, you know, it's okay to ask for help. We have to recognize that nobody is perfect. I do not even believe that God is perfect. And I can point to things in, in creation, you know, like mosquitoes and flies that lead me to conclude that God is not exactly the perfect God that some people make her out to be. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so recognizing that perhaps it's perfectionism that is keeping you, holding you back from saying, I could use some help. And I think the whole situation that we've been going through for the past 12 months or so now, COVID has really, I think, given all of us a very rude, unyielding, unforgiving, and deadly sense of our own vulnerability, our own need for help. Um, Americans tend to think, hey, we're self-sufficient. We, we don't need anyone. We can do it all. Well, it's like no, power on through. Hmm? It's like power, power through. on through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's not possible when you are uh, facing something like a bug with a real tube. Okay. Mm -hmm. A very deadly bug. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good to just stand back, think, Hey, okay, maybe I'm not perfect. Obviously we need help with COVID. Perhaps I need some help in my life and it, you know what, it's okay. I mean, I am a healer, but right now I am definitely asking for and receiving with joy and gratitude help from other healers, all right? This is very important to me. Um, there's that old saying, physician, heal thyself. Well, healer, heal thyself. Mm -hmm. If you wish to heal or if you wish to be a light in the world, or if you wish to make a difference in the world, it probably starts with asking for help and healing some of those things that are really bugging you, all right? A lot of people don't even know what's bugging them too. That's very true. And sometimes it's just, I like to do this. I like to just sort of stretch out and get in a quiet place. And then imagine some scenario that's really comfortable for you. Some people like to sit and say a garden. Some people like to go to the ocean and just chill with the waves, blend with that energy. Just get into a space that you really like and that makes you comfortable and makes you as relaxed as you can be. And then just put that question out there. What's bothering you? What do I need to know about myself? Mm -hmm. listen feel see understand just be open to those little hunches those little twinges those little eh, because they really are messages from your spiritual nature or maybe even from your spirit guides i don't know but they're always trying your 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 spiritual self your your spiritual body that's what i call it is always trying to get through to you, to give you a larger perspective, to give you options, to give you hope. You know, a lot of people have, especially those poor put upon um, nurses and hospital workers and doctors and ambulance people, all those people who have just been so overwhelmed by the sheer number of, of ailing people, they, they tend to think, oh my gosh, what hope is there? Well, there is always 
hope. But again, it's about knowing that whatever it looks like from this perspective, where you're just only focused in on one aspect of it, your spiritual nature, the soul that you are, has a much larger perspective. So what you're trying to do in this happy place and happy space and, and where you feel the most comfortable, you're trying to allow to get rid of the static and allow that spiritual you to come through and say, hey, this is what's bugging you. Or, hey, seek someone out. Or, you know what? Oftentimes, Lucy, right now, after three years of being an energy healer and lots of healing on myself, I will have a question that I don't know the answer to. And I'll just say, okay, question is out there. And, you know, like everybody, I check my email every day. You know, one of those chores now in the digital age. And sure enough, sooner or later, and usually sooner these days, uh, some sort of answer will come. Uh-huh. And it may not be, and, and, and I will pursue it. I'll say, okay, this is interesting. Let's take it where it might go. It may not be the right answer for me, but I try it because, hey, don't buy the whole cake. Just buy a slice and see if the cake is <laughs> right, right. You know, um, so you try it and that might not be it. But then I say, okay, that didn't do, but I am still open. I'm still receptive. Consider yourself, pretend you're a receiver. You're an antenna. Think about it. An antenna, you know, I'm going very old style here, betraying my age. But an antenna doesn't do anything to be a receptor. It just kind of is itself. All right. I know from my own experience and the experiences of my clients that we all receive messages of help and hope every day. The problem is that the conscious mind static and our stress and our thinking, we gotta do this and that and that and all that stuff. All that static gets in the way. So you have to really just get still, just get in a place where you're comfortable and just open up. And he would be amazed what comes through. I want to share something that happened that fits this. Um, and uh, it, it's something that took place at the end of October. But I was in Georgia staying at a cabin. And we knew that there were deer that would visit. And deer is one of my totem animals. And so we had corn and we had apples with us. And the very first morning that we were there, there was probably about 10 of them that showed up outside of, uh, you know, our front porch. And so we had the apples cut up and everything. And I assumed because these were wild deer for the most part, they were used to being fed, but not touched. So I just assumed that, um, you know, they would come up just so far. Well, there was one that literally locked eyes with me, a, a female that was probably about I don't know, a couple of years old. She looked like she was about 100 pounds. And she started walking towards me. All the others were holding back, but she walked towards and she would take one little step and look at me and then bow. She literally put her head down, but never changed her eyes from mine. And she came all the way up and took the apple out of my hand. And oh. I had a past life reading done that I shared with you just about uh, a week and a half ago. And when I had that done, one of the things that um, this person said to me is you have many guides around you that are supporting you. And so I'm going to count back from five to one and one of the guides will appear with a message. And so she did that. And when she hit one, 
a deer walked forward in my vision. And I know it's not the same deer, but it was nevertheless a female deer. And the message was patience and trust. Mm -hmm. and I thought how that impacted my life for the last couple of years. It's all been about having patience and trust. And this uh, little deer that was in Georgia had to, I mean, she was exercising trust in me that I wasn't going to harm her and patience because she was literally taking one little step at a time. So I do think we get all of these messages. I have orbs that I see constantly around me. They are just, anytime I take a picture out in nature, they're there. Other people can take the picture and, and they're not. But um, so I do, I think we have all of these messages that are available to us, but we have to get quiet enough, as you said, to actually yes. hear or see them. That is so true. And it's so interesting that you, that you talked about your spirit guide showing that itself, herself, himself to you as a, as a doe. Uh, they do that very often. They will take, especially if it has, the animal image has a certain resonance with a person, then a guide will definitely take that form simply to have meaning to you. And the neat thing about spirit guides is that they're your own, I mean, just getting a message from your spirit guides and help and wisdom there is your own form of opening to help because they are always around you. They are, they're basically, they're just, imagine sitting in a, in a, in a waiting room. You no, know, you're going to see the doctor, <laughs> but it lasts a lifetime. Uh-huh. That's basically what a lot of spirit guides endure. So they have their own lessons in patience and trust because they're with you to offer you help, to offer you options, to offer you hope, mm -hmm. but they have to get through all that static. Right. So again, all that, gee, I'm, I have to be perfect. So I can't ask for help kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, what I have talked, it's my belief that even God gets help from us because God learns from our experiences. God, God is not apart from us watching disinterested or whatever. God feels everything we feel. God learns everything we learn. You know, people say um, as, a, as above, so below, but as below, so above, it is a two way street. Mm -hmm. So we have help. We have spirit guides. Um, we have our own soul nature that is, a is connected to, well, you know, pick your label, God, universal mind, source, whatever you want to call that. I don't have any, I use God because it's short and sweet, but you can use any label you want. So we have a lot of connections. We just don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. Because the static is constantly going on in our, our heads. So we get a jumbled message at best. Exactly. And there's a lot of reasons for that static, but mostly let's just boil it down to, um, we have things in our energy. I would say self-judgments. Other people call them shadows. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing where we are not as open to love as we could be. Mm-hmm. And, we were, and when we're not 
those places that are not as open to love as it could be, that is creating some of the static that's keeping us from realizing that there's a lot of help around us and that we ha have the ability to tap into it. So um, is that what Sunan therapy is about? Is that unconditional love and learning to move into that? Well, it's Sunan therapy. The focus of Sunan therapy is going for self-judgments. All oh. right. And we don't, that shadow part of self, we don't always consciously, usually consciously, we don't know that we are judging ourselves. People say, oh, I'm not judgmental, but we all have stuff and we all have ju self judgments. So in Sunan, we, we take a loving, gentle method and what we, we go for what a person is emotionally prepared to examine and release. And the Sunan therapist does not make that determination. The, the person's own Spirit guides make that determination because they know the person better, much better than any Sunan therapist could. So the guides or what your guides or whoever, when it's my session, it's my guides that determine, okay, we think this is, this is you know, what she will be ready to, to uh, address and release. But really that static, that noise, the one thing that we can do to start pushing it aside is simply saying, I want help. I'm worth it, I need it, and I want to be open to it. Because believe me, I kind of just thrashed around for years finding help in the form of Jana, my co-author and Sunon therapist and partner. I thrashed around for years and I didn't really consciously or coherently know I, you know, somewhere in the dimness of my mind, I knew I needed help, but I couldn't have formulated it. Mm -hmm. But my intent is what brought the help to me. So if your intent is to get help and to be open to help when it comes, then the help will find you. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, I think, uh, you know, we had discussed our backgrounds a little bit in the past. And of course, I've been a bereavement specialist for about 35 years. And so many times, uh, and, and that's what everybody is dealing with, I think right now is tremendous loss, uh, human connection with one another, but job loss, financial loss, uh, loss of their health. I mean, it's just uh, prevalent no matter where you look. And so, um, you know, the whole concept of losing anything and your life changing is extremely difficult for, yes. for people. And um, so, you know, it, uh, this is a, a time unlike anything that I have experienced in my lifetime, certainly. And certainly in the last 35 years, I've never ever seen this kind of stress, you know, that has been perpetrated on humanity. I mean, it's not just the United States, it's worldwide. It's it's everywhere we look. And so asking for help right now um, is, I'm sure, very frightening, you know, because uh, people are used to feeling, especially as Americans, you know, self-sufficient. And, you know, we're not feeling that anymore. You know, it's like everywhere you look, people are needing help, whether it's, you know, a, a vaccine that's being administered or waiting for one and waiting for your time to go get it but we are in a very vulnerable place right now. 
Exactly. And a lot of people find that that's too much. They really don't want to face that. Mm-mm. But in, in your vulnerability, it's, it's amazingly, it's, it can be a strength. It can be eventually a blessing. Sometimes we go through what seems like a horrible tragedy, but if we're wise or lucky or whatever, <laughs> we look for that silver lining and it's hard to say, well, what is a silver lining in a pandemic? Right. You know, there, there can't possibly be. And there, the, believe me, I'm not speaking glibly here. I have gone through a year of loss too. Uh, Jana died in July and that really took my support right out from underneath me, but I found that by golly, I can manage, all right? I am stronger than I knew. And I suspect a lot of people out there are finding out, A, they're stronger than they knew, but they can always ask for help. And the pandemic is revealing ourselves to us. Yeah. Uh, some, of, some of the things we love, I mean, it's amazing. People are really, I mean, around me, my neighbors, I have two neighbors, and they told Jana before she died, we will take care of Candace. And they are as good as their word, all right? They are always calling or what can we get for you? Because I have a mobility issue right now. This is a, I don't, I don't walk well and I'm not driving simply because I don't think it's safe for me to drive. So they're like, hey, we can go to the store for you. We can take your trash cards out. They, do, they will do anything. In fact, one time when they couldn't get a hold of me, um, they came I, I, they have a key and they came, came in to the door and called up, Candace, are you all right? Well, yeah, I was fine. I said, sorry, I just couldn't come to the phone. So I have help. I know I have help. And that causes me to be grateful. So every, and, and, and I see instances of people helping each other and I read about them and hear about them. So I know that unsung, unnoticed, Everywhere you go, people are quietly helping each other. Yes. That is, that is something to celebrate. That's something, I mean, I, I try to stay in the feeling of gratitude mm-hmm. for the help that I do have and embrace more help. So really, this is about learning that, hey, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to accept help it's okay to give help and that you know we have a, a saying that you know tis better to give than to receive but lucy that's so unbalanced when you think about it mm-hmm. if people people most people if they know that you have a need that they can do they will be glad to help they just want to know how they may not offer because they may not know how to help. So if you tell them, look, I need X, Y, and Z, they'll say, hey, I can do X and they'll go do it and happy to do it. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point. You are a spiritual receiving help as you are giving help. This is about the exchange and the balance of the universe. Right. I'm going to share another little story that fits in here that just happened um, again about maybe four months ago. Uh, there's a family, I had written a children's book. And I was over at um, a beach that I really love. 
And uh, the person that was with me, um, there was a man there that said, can I take your picture? And so he took our picture and this individual who is a very dear friend, um, he said, did you know that she'd written a children's book? And of course they wouldn't have possibly known that, but it led to a little bit of a conversation. And so we got to know this man and his two daughters and the extended family, his wife and his dad and everything. And I had, um, I often receive messages during the night. And so I had received a message that I was supposed to dedicate what's called a little library. You probably know what they are, but a little library to this particular park. And so we discussed it and eventually we shared the concept with this man and his two daughters and family. And he's a retired police officer. And he said, I would love to build it with my daughters because he teaches them the importance of like Christmas time being a time of receiving and giving, not just mm -hmm. receiving. And so they got busy building it. We dedicated it the day after Christmas with the whole extended family. It was cold for Florida. It was like 43 degrees at the park. So we had multiple layers on. But since then, um, I've gone over it's um, registered worldwide so that people can actually find it if they are doing a little bit of a scavenger hunt. And I've gone over, oh, I don't know, half a dozen times since the 26th, um, refurbishing, you know, the, the supply of books that are in it. But the concept is, you know, take a book and leave a book. And when I was there just a couple of days ago, there was a grandmother with her four-year-old grandson. And um, they waited back, you know, because of COVID and everything. And she said, are there any children's books in there? And I pulled two out and handed it to them. And there's a gazebo there. And so they went into the gazebo and she started reading to him. And I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful message. It's not only uh, about reading and, you know, establishing, uh, I guess, the, the beauty of uh, being able to read and, and to learn knowledge that way, but it's also about sharing. And so this grandmother was sharing her time and her love of reading with a four-year-old grandson. And they were mm -hmm. doing it right there in the park. And so, you know, it, it it's just like full circle. You know, everybody worked hard to build it and we installed it and we have uh, stocked it full of all kinds of books. And now people are receiving. So it is a giving and a receiving. And we yes. do that with our, our lives, I think. It's um, in my book that I wrote, it's about understanding that love is really why we're here. You know, it isn't about anything more difficult than that. It's about loving one another. And loving self. And loving self. Mm -hmm. Because, and Jenna was the one who first made me aware of this. A great teacher, Jesus, once said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm -hmm. the, the balance is, that you can never love anyone more than you are willing to love yourself. Right. Because it, because if you have not claimed self-love, truly claimed self-love, then you have no real love to give others. You might have needs, you might have judgments, you might have anger or whatever it is, but you have not love until you have claimed love for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't, you can't give a book to your library that you don't own. Right. 
can't give love to you to your neighbor that you have not owned yourself. Right, right. So that people, I think, give love in the hopes of getting it. You know, and so you know, it's they're trying to balance the fact that maybe they don't have much self love in there. So if I get some from you, I'm balancing the scales. But the answer is what you're saying is you have to fill your own cup first in order to be able to fill anyone else's. Exactly. And basically what people are giving is the best they know of love, but usually very often it comes off as neediness instead mm-hmm. of love, mm-hmm. or it comes off as something, there's a hook in here somewhere. I'm going to skedaddle because I don't really want to get involved with this. So that's the issue where if you haven't gotten your own self-love cup full, then you're, you're giving something else that, that people might not really want to receive or be a little shy of receiving. Right. So that's the importance of loving yourself. If you really want to give love in, in, into the world. And you know, that is such, it's such a, a huge, huge need. Um, I worked with children and families for many, many years and you know, the kiddos that were like four and five years old, that um, when they were babies, when they were one and two and three, you know, their cups weren't filled. You know, they were ignored. Maybe mom or dad, you know, were alcoholics. They were drug addicts. They were workaholics. They were whatever. But, um, you know, the kids then grew up. The only way they knew to get attention was, you know, quite often to act out. And that's what they continued to do throughout all of their lifetime. Um, So whether I was seeing them as a child or I was seeing the parent, you could see where the pattern was. And helping somebody learn that before they have children, hopefully, (laughs) so that they are truly giving love to the child and the child is growing up feeling like a full person, not a half empty person. Mm -hmm. That's true. But and I, I've also known it was true for my experience in Sunom therapy, healing and growing and helping clients. Love feels very different to different people. Mm. And you can give love as a parent. You can love your child up one wall and down the other. But if your giving of love does not feel like love to the child, the child will then still not feel loved. That's the, that's the tragedy of it. I think if we had a better understanding and a better recognition that love feels very different. Right. And, you know, just like different people, you know, different strokes for different folks. Right. It's because we all have a different understanding of love. I mean, the basic, my basic understanding of love is unconditional, all right? No hooks, no judgments, no standards, no expectations nothing, just love, like the love that God gives us, just love, because you exist, because you are, God gives you love, but the rest of us, our love has limits, and conditions, and standards, and expectations, and hooks, and whatever on it. If you're a straight-A student, I love that, (laughs) or, (laughs) you know, the one thing that I think a lot of men, probably more than women, uh, quite honestly, but, um, Today, it's balancing out a little bit better, but so many parents work to give their child a better life, right. but then that means they're not around as much. 
And so the child perceives it as you're not here for me, you're not available, and therefore you don't love me. Whereas the parent views it as I'm doing all of this for you. Precisely. Yeah, and, and that's where the difference can be. That, that's definitely, and, and not only does the child perceive that you're not here for me, the child also says, what's wrong with me that my parents are not here for me? Right. That's a, that's, that's, that is something that I find in Soon on Therapy is that, you know, misunderstandings um, really, I mean, there was one client Jana worked with that it was such a start. It was, she, they went back and she was a little girl and she had long blonde hair beautiful hair and people would pat her head and go, aren't you pretty? So as a little child, she thought, oh, I'm pretty because I have this long blonde hair. That makes me pretty. And then she got very sick, extremely high fever. And her mother, without explaining anything, cut her hair off so that she would be cooler. Oh. Well, that little girl, yeah, that little girl thought, made two self-judgments. I'm ugly because I, my hair got cut. My mother is my enemy. Right. And she, it, from that point over, her mother could do nothing with her. The little girl hated her. And, the little, and she also believed that she was ugly and plain and she dressed accordingly and, and felt accordingly. So by the time Jana got her, she was middle-aged. She was in her 40s. But when they went back, she realized where she'd made those assumptions um, her mother came in and said, no, I, I, I just did this to try to help you. So in spirit, she reconciled with her mother. And then in physical reality, she did the same. And she began to dress more, you know, with fancier clothes and use a little bit of makeup and, and just be more at peace with herself because mm -hmm. she let go of those limits on her self-love. Right. So she rewrote her own personal script. She rewrote it and she, she released those self-judgments because she realized they're not true and they're not helping me. And as an adult, she could help her younger self understand that. Right, right. Uh, but this, this is the misunderstanding about love. I mean, we, we look high and low for it. We just want to be loved and understood and accepted. Well, if you want to be loved, understood and accepted, you know, charity begins at home. The best <laughs> place for you to go is start a loving understanding and accepting who you are. I love that idea that charity begins at home. I, and that really kind of struck me as how true is that? Because, you know, we give it to everyone else mm -hmm. pretty easily, but we don't give it to ourselves very often. Yeah, most people work that way. They they have a lot of they they want to be they want to be helpful. They want to give. They want to you know make a difference in the world. I say that's great. Don't stop. But the difference you can make in the world. Think about it. If you are truly in touch with your spiritual self and loving yourself, think about the difference between how you will give to the world in that state than if you are unaware, unself-loving, what would you give to the world in that state? True, true. That's why, that's why I have spent 
a lot of time and energy trying to basically to make myself the best possible person I could be in the sense of self-aware, self-loving, wise, so that when I give to someone, it's truly a gift. It's not a need. It's not a hook. It's not an expectation. It's just, hey, it's a gift. It's yours. You do anything you want with it. I don't have myself attached to it. That's the problem. If we, if we, if we have all those hooks and expectations in our giving, then we just make a codependent mess instead of actually giving. That is very, very true. You know, sometimes I think, and, and so I'll ask you this question. I think people don't ask for what they need, you know, in terms of maybe that, that help or support. Um, I think they do that because uh, they, they don't want to be perceived. I'm going to say that as weak, they don't want to be perceived as needy. Uh, mm -hmm. It's easier to give, I, I believe, for most individuals than to receive, because we don't even know if somebody gives you a compliment. A lot of times we put down the compliment. We don't just say thank you. Yes. And so if, um, if you were looking at some of the reasons that people hesitate to say, I really need somebody to talk to, or I really need somebody to kind of be there supportive for the next few weeks while I go through whatever it might be. Um, can you give some pointers maybe on how that person might more easily ask for help? Well, it goes right back to that perfection bug. Okay. Okay. When you were saying, you were saying they don't want to be perceived as weak mm -hmm. or, you know, vulnerable or whatever. Well, you know, you just have to keep it in mind that absolutely no one is perfect. None of us. We all have our limitations. We all have our foibles. We all have our weak spots. Um, and one of the reasons that opposites attract is that in, in the best of situations, opposites attract so that each person can shore up the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of the other person with that person's strengths. My strengths, it's like Janice's strengths was bookkeeping an organization. Neither of which I can, I could, I, I take them on now because I have to, but Jana did that. She taught me how to be organized. That was one of my weaknesses. I didn't, I was disciplined, but I was not organized. My desk was chaos. And she finally said, I can't stand this. And she organized it and boy, she was great. Now I know how to organize. That's something she taught me. So that's why opposites attract but we end up killing each other because, well, you're not just like me. No, you, you got with that person. So that person's strengths could shore you up. So allow them to help you and then use your strengths to shore up where they might have some shortcomings. Mm -hmm. So yeah. again, remember it's a cycle. It, it, it's, it's a given, it's like, it's like the sea, the seashore, the sea comes in, it goes out, the tide comes in, it goes out. It's an ebb and flow. Sometimes you will be the giver, other times you'll be the receiver. And that is all about the balance of energy and life. And there is nothing wrong with being a giver or a receiver. It's just what, what is your particular situation and need at that particular time? Mm -hmm. I, I love the fact that, um, you know, you use the C because I find that relationships have a rhythm. 
and, mm-hmm. and that rhythm is just like the ocean, you know, where the wave mm-hmm. comes in and goes out. And, you know, it's the give and the take of life. Um, so if we understand that, then there's nothing that's right or wrong about it. It's just where we are at any given time. So true. So true. And that I think if people, if people could just sort of, oh, just, just know that and know that, you know, everything, everybody needs help. A lot of people right now need help, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are rushing in to help. All right. In small ways, in big ways, uh, in, in whatever way they can. Um, I mean, I do think it takes a village to raise a child because grandparents can offer wisdom, teachers can offer wisdom, friends and neighbors can spell the parents when they're just overwhelmed with being parents. <laughs> so it, it, it really does take more than just two people. I, I mean, obviously you have the parents and that's the foundation, but there's so much more. There's a whole superstructure that can sit on that foundation and enrich everybody's lives. Right, right. That is no. very, very true. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people are certainly aware of, uh, you know, this last year, I mean, we had uh, hurricanes more than normal. We had uh, forest fires that were humongous on top of COVID, on top of the financial disasters. And so I think a lot of people just didn't even know where to start. You know, it's yes. like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. And they were frozen in place because everybody needed something. But the sad thing in a normal year is, you know, that people, you know, go in and they help for a period of time. And then when things sort of stabilize, they leave. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of individuals, then um, they're left feeling alone and deserted. And mm-hmm. so uh, learning how to do this transitionally or building a support system mm-hmm. so that you're not constantly in need as the giver at any given time, but you're not constantly receiving, you know, that, that there is that balance. And I suspect, you know, that that's something that a lot of people are going to have to be learning now um, with loss of income, with a lot of people that are facing maybe being homeless in the not too distant future, unless things get fixed there. Um, You know, it's scary. It's scary times, you know, for individuals and, asking for that assistance. I'm hearing a lot of people say their adult children are coming home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And um, I saw a news report where um, a food bank director said, we're having people we've never seen before come to this food bank. Uh And it's, that's, that's the really sad and yet sad, but it's also, it's an opportunity if we will, pay attention, we, COVID-19 is showing us the vulnerabilities and the cracks in, and why we need a safety net. Mm -hmm. Um, We really do. We need a safety net. Now you can argue about how the safety net is constructed. And I think that's the political argument, but we, we definitely need a more robust safety net in this country, in the United States than we've had. Um, other nations don't seem to be having the same kinds of problems with, you know, lack of food security or possible homelessness, threat of homelessness. 
because they have social safety nets and what they're dealing with instead is just simply the isolation of COVID. And that's bad enough. But on top of that, many pe people are really facing some, some rough times. So I'm hoping that we will be a little collectively uh, wiser and more compassionate in the kinds of choices that we make because, you know, people are, if people are not able to pay the rent or people are whatever, you know, they're having to go to food banks, it's not for anything they did. It's because something way beyond their control has taken place and they are suffering because of it. So maybe that, you know, we, we tend to want to place blame and I, I just, it's playing the, playing the blame game. There's a, there's a, there's a time for it. There's a time for accountability, but right now we really have to, to recognize that maybe we need to be a little bit more generous, more compassionate uh, in our approach to just how we structure our society. I think that's true. And I think again, you know, the children are watching, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're seeing what's happening. Um, the messages that they're receiving, you know, can be positive. And in many, many cases, it's beautiful stories with children that are actually stepping up to the plate and, you know, they're making masks and they're, you know, at the food banks and they're, they're doing things that will last a lifetime in terms of their understanding of how to help. Um, but a lot of kids, unfortunately, are seeing the anger and the frustration. And so they may be getting a different message. Yeah. We know that you, you were talking, Lucy, a minute ago about how people were sort of overwhelmed into inactivity because it seemed like everybody everywhere needed everything. Exactly. But you just talked about how a child saw an, one need that that child could do something about and mm -hmm. went about filling that need. And that's that you, you know, it's, the, it's how you walk. You take one step forward at a time. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can only do that. That's how you walk. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Okay. Right. Look around. What is there? Yeah. And, and, and you might have a passion or something that, that speaks to you. Mm -hmm. All right. Then ask. Um, I did that recently. Um, I had a big two burner coffee maker that I would not make anymore because, because I just didn't need it. And I had coats that belonged to Jana and to me that I could no longer use. Um, so I called up a, a, a homeless helping service here in where I live and said, could you use coats? Could you use this coffee maker? Could you use personal grooming items that are unopened and, and unused? And he was like, could we? And then I said, but I'm not driving right now, or I would take it to one of your collection boxes. He said, just call me, text me when you've got it or call me, I will come get it. So that's what happened. I had my, my wonderful cleaning lady help me. We got it all together. And I had a little cry over the fact that this was stuff that Jan and I shared and it's going out of my life. But I also knew I couldn't sit here and have it in my closet when people could, could use it and needed it. Right. That was one thing that I could do right now to make someone else's life a little bit better. Right. So I did it. Yeah. All right. It, it's not the biggest, grandest thing in the world. Um, but it was one way to help. 
So that's what I did. All right. And, and you just, you look around, there's, there, there are all manner of ways that you can help Mm -hmm. small ways. Uh, Well, and I think that is absolutely true. And I I think if you, it's like deer in headlights, you know, don't look at the big picture, but look at, you know, the one thing, like you said, one step at a time that you can make. And so if it's helping um, like I do with the neighborhood park, you know, that, that is one little area that is making a difference for a lot of people that now have a book that they can read in the park if they choose, and maybe a homeless person that didn't, you know, was embarrassed to go to a library, now they can walk up to this little library and take a book home with them, and it doesn't ever have to come back. And they, you know, they may never be able to provide a book, but we've done, you know, a part to help with literacy and make somebody's life maybe a little bit better. So there's, everybody can do something. That's right. I look at it. Everybody has a way to contribute, and you just just step back, calm, put yourself in that, that calm space I talked about earlier and just, you know, what's your passing? Um, homelessness happens to be something that speaks to me because to me, being homeless is living without hope. And that, that calls to me, I want to do something to help. But there are other things that will call to different people. And that's great because believe me, there are always always places to contribute. You know, the, the, the online virtual equivalent is crowdfunding. Think of it this way. You know, you may give $5 towards some cause and that's not much, but if a lot of other people give $5 or more, it suddenly becomes a big useful amount. Yeah. It's the same way. If you do something small for someone, but everybody else contributes in whatever way they do, then a lot gets done and a lot of people's lives are made better. Right. That's the, that's the good part. That's the energy. That's the, that's the, the feeling and the vibe that we want to support in any way we can. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to leave our discussion tonight and look how fast our hour went. (laughs) It flew. Um, Candace, let people know how they can reach you because uh, one of the things that you also do, which is going to be on um, a future show, is um, afterlife communications. And so I'm sure there's probably more than one person that's listening to this that may want to be in touch because they would like to be able to communicate with somebody who has passed over. Well, the website is thehealingcirclebook.com. And that is a book that Jan and I co-wrote. And it's all about one method of afterlife communication because there are several methods. I mean, there's no one way to do it. Um, and there's a contact form if, they, if people want to get in touch with me. Um, and we will have quite something to talk about when we do the afterlife communication because that is also a place of great hope and comfort for, for people in time of need. I uh, totally agree. There was a man who is now deceased. um, And when I had an active practice in Wisconsin, I had him stay in my home for a week. And he worked with parents who had lost a child and uh, channeled information for them. And so it was totally amazing to see the transformation of these parents because there were things that, you know, they had 
that knowledge, but no one else had that knowledge. And so when he shared that the child was saying, mom and dad, remember when, you know, this mm -hmm. is what it meant. Um, so I, I'm very excited about doing that future show with you. Well, let me leave you with this one thought. Uh -huh. Just as we can communicate those who have, just, who have departed and died, so we can communicate with children before they're born. Oh, wow. Is that ever cool? And so yep. they choose us to come mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. So we don't, so when they're born, they're not strangers. Wow. How cool. That's, <laughs> how I think cool. that's sometimes how um, babies, you know, you look at them and they just look at you with those knowing eyes. Like I do mm -hmm. know you. <laughs> well, I am thrilled that you were my guest this evening and um uh, be sure to, you know, go to whatever your favorite platform is and follow the shows on either Spotify or iHeartRadio, uh, Google Radio, or Apple iTunes. It's on all four platforms. And again, if you uh, go to my website, www.synergyradio.com, uh, you will find the link to Boomers and go in there and look at their products and figure out a way to live a healthier life while we're facing all of these unknowns in 2021. And so thank you for listening, everybody. And we will be on the show again next week. Um, go out there and make this your very best life. Bye-bye. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.